構成まで発展したこの2人さあチャンピオン鈴木みのる入場ですHello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of the Never Open Podcast. The podcast open to everyone.、Uh, I am your host, Luke, and with me, as always, is Mr. Andy. Say hello, Mr. Andy. Hello, Mr. Andy, and hello to you, Luke. Today, we get to talk about something that we promised we would talk about a long time ago. We finally got around to it, trying to squeeze this in before shit gets real crazy. Yeah, that's right.、Uh, today, we're not covering any of the shows of the week because, well, there are no shows to cover at the moment. They all start tomorrow. So rather than、uh, sit on our Thumbs and doing nothing. We thought we'd do the other half or the other third. We might have another one of these somewhere down the line, I guess, to talk about the miscellaneous and,、uh, and, and everyone that isn't in a main faction. I don't know. We haven't decided yet. But tonight or today or this morning or the afternoon, whenever this is in your ear holes, yeah, I'm drawing this out. Mr. Andy and I are going to talk about two factions. We've done a factions episode before. Where、uh, we covered both、uh, the, the two factions we wanted to cover the most. We probably should have had, <laughs> probably should have changed that around, but yep,、uh, Mr. Andy covered Los Ingobernables de Hopon, and I covered the Bullet Club. And now today, Mr. Andy's going to take us on a little bit of a, a journey talking about Suzuki Goon, and then、uh, after he's done with that, I'm going to take you guys down on a Trip, the,、uh, the history and all that kind of stuff of chaos. So that's,、uh, that's our MO today,、uh, boys and girls. We've done, we've done half and now we're doing the other half, the main factions, and、uh, here we are. Do we need to tell people how they can contact us or、yeah. we just going to, yeah? You're the boss. All right. You're the boss. <clears throat> Whatever you think. Oh, yeah. Why is the host asking the co host when he's in the room? Who cares what I think, right? <laughs> yeah, shut up, Andy. <laughs> But uh, uh, all right, so yes, there are ways you can contact us, by the way. It doesn't matter if we're doing a special episode or a normal weekly episode, it's always the same. I'm at Grumpy2EB on the Twitters. Mr. Andy is at Drusifer Tweets on the Tweety Tweets. And、uh, our podcast, ne- Never Open Pod. Is at Never Open Pod on the, on the Twitters as well. And if you want to email us instead, because、uh, you want to write more to us, but they, no one does, you can email us at、uh, neveropenpod at gmail.com. There we go. That's right, Luke. And、uh, just for folks, if you're a new listener or something like that, please leave us a review on iTunes、um, if that's where you're listening to us. If not, like us or follow us on whatever else you're listening to us, subscribe and all that. It really does mean a lot and it really helps other people find our show. So,、uh, you know, we're just kind of getting started with all this and, you know, things are going well. And、uh, the last faction episode was a pretty popular episode. I think a lot of 
uh, newer folks hopped on because maybe they searched Bullet Club in iTunes and they saw our episode. So hopefully some folks are going to search Chaos or Suzuki. <laughs> I think uh, maybe less people will be searching that, but hopefully they'll yeah. find us too. And if you're new, you know, we just uh, we cover New Japan. That's it. So that's all we do. There's not much to it, really. Yeah, part of me was thinking, like, uh, maybe we should have had LIJ on one show and Bullet Club on the other show because they're arguably, like, the two coolest factions in New Japan. They are. They, they, it's it's objectively true. Well, LIJ <laughs> is the coolest. I mean, that's that's a fact. That's that's objectively true. All right. Anyway. <laughs> they, are, they, are, they are a very cool team. They're understaffed. They, uh, they need another member or two. Yeah. Uh, not not too many to overflow it, but uh, yeah. Oh well, that's neither here nor there because uh, we're here to talk about Suzuki Goon and Chaos. So last time, I believe, Mr. Andy, I started things off with a bit of Bullet Club. So let's switch it, and you can start us off with a little bit of Suzuki Goon. You better believe it, man. You know my first. Uh, knowledge of Suzuki Goon was watching New Japan. You know, um, I was watching maybe the G1 or something because I, I can't remember the first couple shows that I watched. I remember I watched Wrestle Kingdom Nine, and then you know I skipped a little while, and then I started watching pretty much every show. But I just remember hating them when they first came. You know, because they were just returning to New Japan when I started watching a little bit, and we'll get into all that why and everything uh, why uh, they were returning. But I hate. Them because Luke, they just cheat all the time. And and what's so weird about Suzuki Goon is that they are obviously named after not their creator. We'll get into who their creator was, but their leader, Minoru Suzuki, who really doesn't cheat. You know, Suzuki just beats his opponents up, and if if hitting him with a chair is cheating, I guess that's cheating. But it's more kind of you know he doesn't mind if you hit him with a chair either what do you think about all that luke do you think that it's it's you know they really are following suzuki because they don't you know he doesn't really cheat i just think uh minara suzuki likes to surround himself with uh uh his brand of evil now of course other members of suzuki gun goon cheat a lot more than he does but uh i think he's happy with it i think he i think he i, I think he's a Bad influence. I don't know. It is quite it is quite amusing to find that uh, your leader of your cheating faction rarely cheats. Well, uh, and when he when he does cheat, it's not considered cheating because uh, you know you see him hit someone with a chair, and I see the ref, and I'm like, don't do it, dude. Don't disqualify him. No, He's no. just going to beat the shit out of you. So it feels like he chumps the refs out less because I feel like there's that that innate like t- terror. Of like uh, being the the idiot ref to disqualify Suzuki because uh, he will just beat the shit out of you. Absolutely. So our, uh, our the story of Suzuki Goon goes all the way back to December 2010. Now the the word Goon it's G U N. So some people say Suzuki Gun, sometimes Suzuki Goon, and you may catch me saying either one. Um, you know, basically it means army. You know, so uh, that's this is the Suzuki Army is what we're talking about here. And uh, back in 2010, um, this is the craziest thing and probably the the most interesting thing that I'm going to say throughout this whole episode is that guess I mean you know Luke who actually started Suzuki Goon. 
this is a surprise to me as well. Uh, but uh, I've known this for a while, but it, it's all, it was a surprise when I first found out. Uh, but the original leader of this goon uh, army, I guess, was Mr. Bread himself, uh, Satoshi Kojima. It used to be right. called Kojima Goon. That's right. Yeah, so Kojima, you know, started Kojima Goon. And so that's what we're talking about here in December 2010. Um, and at the time, he was the IWGP heavyweight champion. And so, you know, he he basically wanted to have his own army to help protect his championship. But what happened was is that basically Kojima had a run of bad luck. He lost the title and they lost another match. And so, you know, the Suzuki goon, the Suzuki army, they showed their villainous ways immediately. Uh, by turning on Kojima in May of 2011 and appointing Suzuki as their new leader, and that's when Suzuki-kun was born. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, like I said, the original group started when Taichi returned from excursion to join Kojima. Now, it's crazy because when Taichi, we'll talk about when he comes back to New Japan, and because Suzuki-kun has a lot of roots in different promotions too. And um, one of the cool things is that when he came back, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? I didn't know who Taichi was. And just like in every wrestling ever, in every wrestler, you, you go, you go, I don't know who this guy is. I wonder what he's done. And then you go back and look and he has 10 years of like history doing crazy shit. You know, it's like, like if you look up any random WWE, you know, uh, person and you look, Oh my God, he tagged with big show and they won the titles. You know what I mean? It's just some crazy shit. It's yeah. like, it's always that way. So Tai Chi has been around a long time. So he returned from excursion and he joined Kojima and the other members were a guy named Nasawa were And I'm going to botch some of these names cause I've never heard him saying so, said before. So I apologize. And then Taka Michinoku. So that was the official Kojima goon, um, a group that was, uh, you know, born in December of 2010 and then January 2010. And, and then in February, they, they were around for a year. And in February of 2011, MVP joined the group. <laughs> so, Wait, what? Yeah. MVP, the first IWGP Intercontinental Champion uh, MVP, by the way. Um, he joined what? the group. Yeah, yeah. He's, he was in New Japan quite a bit, man. Um, next time, next time you see a, an IC title match, watch the screen. You know they always show all the different champions, and you'll see you'll see MVP. It's crazy. He's the first one. I mind myself a bit of MVP. So good on him. All right, <laughs> I well like him. Yeah, he's pretty he's cool. Right. So, uh, so MVP joined the group, and he was the fourth member. And basically, this is funny. Uh, Nosawa had to quit the the group and wrestling altogether because he was arrested for stealing a taxi. As you do. Okay. Yeah. And that's when the troubles All begin. Right. This is the part of the story where our troubles begin. On January 4th at the Tokyo Dome, Kojima lost the IWGP title to Hiroshi Tanahashi. And as we know, yeah. Luke, if Tanahashi's involved, a new group is being formed. That's how it works. Tanahashi oh, yeah. is the key player in all of these groups being formed. It's crazy. Maybe that's why he never joined a faction because yes, uh, he knows better. He sees all the other factions and they're like, he knows better because uh, the, this guy's betraying this guy. This guy's <laughs> going to turn on this guy and join the other faction. Yeah. Yep. 
Well, so Kojima lost another big match, like I mentioned before, versus Makabe at Wrestling Dontaku in May uh, May 4th that year. Uh, and after that loss, you know, Taka Michinoku and Taichi had had it. And they destroyed Kojima after the match. They killed him. Um, and he fended them off for a little bit, only to be destroyed by the returning Minoru Suzuki. And Minoru Suzuki at the time was known as a freelancer. And, you know, there was all kinds of promotions that he had worked for. If you look at his history, he's worked for every promotion in New er, in Japan. So, I mean, even like the women's promotions, he's he's worked in some of them. It's crazy. Uh, I've, seen a, I've seen a match on YouTube uh, and it's uh, Minaro Suzuki versus Asuka. Yeah, it's real. He beats the shit out of her, too. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, yeah. He doesn't treat her like it's a, a man versus a woman. He treats her like she's a fucking wrestler that could kill him, and he proceeds to wrestle accordingly. <laughs> it's, it's either It's either really cool because it's Asuka versus Suzuki, or it's really disturbing because it's Suzuki beating the shit out of the lady. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you can imagine that crowd, the Tokyo Dome, Kojima destroyed and Suzuki appears Ooh, you know and Suzuki grabs the mic and he announces he's taking over Suzuki Goon and now that's what it's called and that's what it's been called ever since that day now a lot of Suzuki Goon stories um, uh, the story of the of the promotion as we'll find out with chaos as well and every other or every other uh, group is that it's a lot of them just chasing titles you know and and there's a lot of that but um so I'm gonna skip over some of that so there's gonna be some details that are gone here I'm trying to hit the important stuff and not bore you guys to death so um so like I said Suzuki Goon is now in charge in charge of the group and he renames it and he continues his feud with Kojima perfect built-in feud for him and Kojima now Kojima doesn't have yep. the title anymore so that means uh, Tanahashi can go on and do other things it's great um, good booking as usual and on the first New Japan tour in the USA in 2011 was called Invasion Attack and they still have that show to this day uh, Lance Archer, who is now in uh, AEW, um, we, yep. me and Luke have been fans of his for a long time, um, and uh, he attacked Kojima and joined Suzuki Goon. So like he had a match versus uh, Kojima and just like just either got DQ'd or after the match destroyed him. And MVP had stayed loyal to Kojima, and so he kind of helped defend him, right? And also, Makabe was there. Uh, so Makabe was also defending Kojima. So this we got all these kind of built-in feuds here that we got going on. So uh, Kojima and Suzuki blew off their feud with a grudge match on July 18th. And then Suzuki was victorious, and he began a feud with Makabe after that. So like I said, we're just passing this feud on. Um, as with most factions, you need to have members in each weight class group. What do I mean by that? Yep. Well, you need uh, you need your heavyweight, at least a couple of heavyweights for uh, the various heavyweight titles. You need a, a heavyweight tag team. You need juniors, not just for the, the the junior title. And yes, I called it the junior title, not the super junior <laughs> title, because uh, that's, <laughs> that's <funny>. wrong. <laughs> and then you also need uh, a few more juniors as well for a potential junior tag team. So you need to kind of cover all your bases with your members. You need to your your faction. You need to have as at least enough fact uh, members in your faction where you could um, easily hold maybe not all the gold, but at least like a singles title, a couple singles titles and a couple tag titles at least. So at that time, Taka Michinoku and Taichi become the junior tag team. And, and guess what, man? They are the junior tag team 
for the next like seven years until we get a new member later on, which we'll talk about, which I thought, I thought, well, we'll get to that. But um, anyway, so then the heavyweight group would be Archer, uh, Lance Archer and Suzuki. So they start competing um, as a tag team, and so does Taichi and Taka. And uh, the 2011 World Tag League, which is a uh, round-robin tournament for tag teams, for heavyweight tag teams. And uh, so that happens, and they're competing in that. And they would go on to defeat Bad Intentions. Do you know who was in Bad Intentions, Luke? Uh, I can, yes, I do actually, okay. because, uh, they were at some point affiliated with chaos. So, uh, that's a uh, giant Bernard. Uh, everyone knows giant Bernard. If they've been a fan of wrestling for a while, just think of, um, what was his name in WWE? Albert. Yeah. Well, he had a couple different ones, but yeah, Albert is probably what people remember him from. Uh, I don't remember the karate gimmick he came back to WWE with. <laughs> like, remember that one? No. I don't remember that. I don't remember his name there, but I always remember his name. But, you know, you, you, everyone knows him. Big, big dude, hairy, piercings. Uh, I quite liked him. I didn't see much of his New Japan stuff, but, yeah. And uh, and also, you got Carl Anderson as well. Yeah, so uh, Suzuki going to defeat them um, to win the Tag League and become the number one contenders because Bad Intentions were the champions at the time. Which, by the way, if you guys are getting ready for G1 Fever, this is the kind of shit that happens in New Japan tournaments. So it's been happening for years. This is how they do booking. It's awesome. So uh, they lost their championship match, though, and which is kind of the story of Suzuki-Goon. There's uh, so much of this, like, oh, they went after this title and lost. Oh, they went after that title and lost. They won the titles, but then lost them immediately. They lose a lot, but that's what heels do. Heels lose a lot. So uh, yeah. they, they lost that title match, but then Taka um, was also going after the junior heavyweight championship, um, and he had a match versus Prince Devitt, and he lost that one. So um, then this is when the relationship with Noah begins, okay? Now, Noah is a kind of rival um, promotion to New Japan. They've and just like all Japan, those are kind of your three big promotions. Although DDT's coming along nowadays, but the three main promotions in Japan would be New Japan, All Japan, and NOAA. And they're all it's just, it's it's an incestuous relationship, just like all of wrestling. So you know, guys that have been in this promotion have definitely been in the other, and the creators of this one left that one to go make this one, and all that. I'm not going to get into all that today. Maybe one day we'll do a NOAA episode. But um, this is when Suzuki Goon's relationship begins with NOAA because. Because Suzuki's best friend, I think in real life, is uh, is, is Yoshihiro Takayama. And um, he joins um, Suzuki-gun, but he's in Noah at the time, right? Um, so Takayama mm. is a, a mainstay of Japanese pro wrestling. He's competed in pretty much every promotion, uh, UWFI, All Japan, Noah, New Japan, and just every other one. Um, he's a former IWGP champion, uh heavyweight champion as well as holding uh, and he told he held the title excuse me in 2003 um do you know anything about takiyama because he's kind of famous for something right now that's really sad um no so um i i didn't look it up because i don't want to dwell on it or anything but he got really sick over the past year or he broke his neck or uh. something he's like something terrible and so interesting thing is that um is that Minoru Suzuki started raising money for him. Now, I don't have specifics on this, but I, I just read about it and stuff. And and Suzuki has raised, like, so much money for his friend to pay for all of his medical bills and stuff. I mean, it's like we're talking, like, 
thousands upon thousands of dollars. It's a really sweet story and it's pretty cool. So they've been friends forever, you know, and everybody knows that they are best friends. So basically, you know, Takayama joining the group is kind of this introduction into Noah because he's more at the time was more known as a Noah wrestler. Um, Takayama, mm-hmm. uh, he tagged with Archer uh, to go after the tag belts in 2012. After that, Black Tiger joined Suzuki Goon. Now, this is not the Black Tiger you're thinking of because who do you think of when you think of Black Tiger, uh, Luke? Was it was it Rocky? Yeah, yes. <laughs> so, well, and before that, it was Eddie Guerrero. You know, so basically, there's almost always in New Japan a rival to Tiger Mask, which is Black Tiger. This is one of the first guys that did it as uh, Black Tiger here. Well, I guess second guy, I guess. Um, it didn't have a number next to it, but he joined Suzuki Goon in 2012, and just like the other guy that got uh, got you know had to leave for stealing a. a a car or whatever, a taxi. This guy has to leave for a funny reason too. So, um, uh, he represents, <laughs> so black tiger, uh, joins and he represents them, uh, Suzuki goon in the best of super juniors tournament in 2012. Uh, but the dude portraying him, his name was, uh, Kazushiki Nisawa. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but guy, he was arrested for smuggling weed into Japan from Mexico. <laughs> Get it. it sounds to me dude that suzuki goon need mps you know they need a fucking military police yeah. because uh <laughs> That's awesome. wow stealing a car and smuggling weed okay <laughs> now the charges Whoa. were later dropped but new japan was like eh, this is a good reason to get rid of you so i wish they do that nowadays with certain people but um So that was interesting, and then Archer teased a new partner in late 2012. You know who it is, right, Luke? You know! Yeah. Who is it? It's Davey Boy Smith Jr. That's right, the guy that wrestles in jeans, like real jeans, not the stretchy ones. Mm -hmm. They formed a new heavyweight tag championship, or a tag team called Killer Elite Squad, or KES. And they were a mainstay of New Japan until just a little bit ago. And one of the things that's interesting about KES is they are both gigantic dudes. And I don't mean like, yeah, they're pretty tall. They're like both like 6'9 or something like that. So They're both Undertaker tall, like think think Undertaker tall, yeah. Now, I I am not trying to be racist or anything, but on average, you know, Japanese people tend to be shorter, and independent wrestlers or wrestlers, period, nowadays tend to be shorter anyway. So these guys dominated. I mean, they were so big that them losing is kind of unbelievable. You know what I mean? Because they're just so gigantic. So they were a mainstay of Suzuki-Goon until just a few years ago, and they won the tag titles three times. They won the GHC titles twice and the NWA titles twice. So they were a dominant tag team for a long time. Um, Did you like Killer Elite Squad? I did. Um... Like, they weren't my favorite tag team or anything, but I liked them. I liked one half of them more than the other. Like, no offense to Davey Boy Smith uh, Jr. He's fine. Like, uh, I don't I don't mind his in-ring or anything like that. He's, he's okay. But uh, for me, I, I was more drawn to Lance Archer because he'd come out and just kind of exude more personality. Like, he'd, he'd be like, all right, I'm a heel in Suzuki Goon's army. All right, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some shit that people don't like when I come out to the ring, 
And he still does some of this, by the way, to this day in AEW. So, like, uh, what he'll do in New, New Japan, I think, at, for some, at one point, it was all about the water and coming down to the ring Mr. with, like, Spitter. a million water bottles in his pockets and throwing water everywhere at everyone. And then it turned into, I'm just going to walk out to the ring. And then as he's walking down the ring, everybody dies. He'll walk past a young lion and just casually just smack right in the face. <laughs> Shit like that. And you you see him do that even today in AEW, which I really like. Like, uh, like uh, they've got the fans. They don't have fans around the ring. They've got, like, wrestlers around the ring at the moment uh, to do the cheering and shit in AEW. And uh, Lance Archer will do the same thing. He'll walk around the ring. He'll come out with Jake the Snake. There'll be a fucking a whole bunch of jobbers in the crowd. He'll just grab one, throw him over the thing, and just beat the shit out of him. So, yeah, uh, I guess... To answer your question, uh, Davy Boy's all right. Lance Archer, I thought was pretty cool. When they when I first started watching New Japan, I kind of like I said, I didn't like Suzuki Goon because they took away from the like pure strong styles type stuff. And unless Minoru Suzuki was in a singles match, he was participating in all these shenanigans. A Killer Elite Squad seemed to me to be like a tag team I could see in America. So why the hell do I want to watch them? Um, it wasn't, honestly, to, for me, it wasn't until he started doing the Mr. Spitter thing and, and Lance Archer eventually broke away. Uh, that's when I really started to enjoy him as a wrestler. Um, yeah. I always thought Davey Boy uh, Smith Jr. relied on his size to be his personality. So instead of having a personality, he's just, I'm big, and that's my personality. But that's my opinion. You know, these guys, like I said, were absolutely dominant, and there's a reason why they were booked everywhere and, you know, winning everything. So uh, they're extremely believable. I so, would agree. Like, I, I – look, I liked Archer because he's displaying personality and shit there, but he had a big um, kind of renaissance, a bit of like, look, I'm Lance Archer. Here I am. Uh, you guys weren't watching me before. Well, you're watching me now. Because he was in the New Japan Cup last year. Uh, he obviously didn't win, but he was great. And people were just like, oh, where the fuck is where's this, where's this, where's this motherfucker been? Yeah. And then he was in the G1. And whilst he was in the middle of the point scoring and stuff like that, one thing you could say about every single match that he had when he came out is that he was pulling out shit that you'd never see someone his size do. So he's, he's doing flips and shit. You know, not like a... Uh, a junior or anything, but you know, all this kind of stuff. And you're just like, holy shit, Davy boy was holding this guy back. It's you're right. And, and also I think that the character was holding him back too. So, you know, yeah. but they, you know, they can't do cool shit when they're monster heels, but you know, it is what mm -hmm. it is. So, so we got KES now in the in the mix here. And from 2013 to 2015, Suzuki Goon feuded with Chaos. All right. We're probably gonna hear more about this in your uh your spiel too. Um in April, Suzuki challenged Okada for his first defense of the IWGP heavyweight title. Uh, they also announced that they have recruited a new member to go after Nakamura's IC title. And that member, Shelton Benjamin. Mr. Low Effort in that never open weight title that match that we yeah. saw versus, versus what's his name? Masato Tanaka. Uh, Masato Tanaka, yeah. yeah. So he joins Suzuki Goons. So 
Now we got Benjamin, Sheldon Benjamin and Suzuki Goon. And he defeated Nakamura in the G1, but was not successful in defeating uh, Nakamura for the IC title. So he earned himself a shot, but he lost the, the title shot. And that's, again, that happens so much in the Suzuki Goon story. It's insane. Um, Suzuki also lost his bid to take the uh, heavyweight title off Okada. Yeah. The same thing. So, again, it's it's like... A lot of times, uh, the members of Suzuki Goon are just a an obstacle for the good guys to overcome. So, um, yep. throughout this time, the tag teams did a lot of heavy lifting as far as like obtaining titles. KS and Taichi slash Taka Michinoku both won their respective titles more than once during this period. Um, in 2013, Suzuki created, or he didn't create, he recruited a Chaos member Takashi Iska. Who had turned on Toriyano, yes. proving he's a bastard. Um, okay, so this is the guy that's a monster on a chain that retired a few years ago and gave his iron glove gimmick to Taichi. Can you describe for the folks listening who maybe have never seen Iska before, what is Iska? Well, the Iska I remember, uh, this is maybe in the last year or two of his career, so I always knew him as a Suzuki Gung guy, and I, I, heard it, I heard, obviously, that it was a bit of backstory and stuff there, but like uh, one of the Suzuki Gun guys would uh, come out with Iska, and Iska would uh, be led to the r- ring through the crowd or something like that on a chain. <laughs> he was like the, uh, the you know, then uh, they'd let the chain off, and he'd be like this crazy animal that you couldn't control, and you'd just fucking go nuts. Yeah, and he had this kind of claw that uh, he'd used to cheat and hit people with. And, uh, yeah, that's one thing I really like, that when he retired, this whole thing that Tai Chi inherited the the iron claw. I thought that was really cool. And if you're watching now and you've always wondered, that's that little bag that Tai Chi wears around his neck and is very protective of. And he shows it to people, but he he rarely gets it out, right? It's, it's, you know, he's used it like two or three times and that's it <laughs> right in over a year. year yeah. So, um, so Iska, you know, was one of my favorites. When Iska would come out, I thought it was so funny because the Japanese fans, unlike, you know, how like the, the biggest complaint of wrestling fans is they always say, man, I hate it when people tell me, you know, that's not real, right? Well, the Japanese fans, that probably doesn't ever happen to them because they're all in on it. Like, they all know, you know, and so they don't, there's not this discussion of whether it's real or anything like that. So when Iska comes out and he's trying to kill audience members, they're running away going, just laughing so hard. And little kids, <laughs> little kids, I remember one time Lance Archer made a little kid cry like a fucking baby, scared the shit out of him. And his dad and is his laughing. Dad's laughing. <laughs> So, so when yep. Iska was let loose in the crowd, he'd run around and try to attack people, and they thought it was so funny, and it really was. So yeah. that, that was great. Did you want to throw something in there, Luke? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, they I was, also... I was just going to agree with you that it was good. So uh, Suzuki-Goon also gained a new member here in uh, 2014 when... El Desperado joined after he had been unmasked in CMLL, so he had to get a new gimmick. So he showed up in New Japan. Uh, That's kind of after his excursion um, as El Desperado. So he joins, which is, man, he's a cool, cool wrestler, just now kind of coming into his own as a tremendous yeah. guy. It's great. Um, so this is kind of where I explain here that there are a massive amount 
of Suzuki-kun member challenges for title and loses. Uh, it's just so much of that during this time that there's no way I could list them all. So, But it's all leading to the next big story beat, which is the Noah invasion. So let's I get feel a- like, dude, just to stop you for a sec, I feel like what you're saying, they go for titles and lose. I feel like what I'm going to do is the complete opposite yes. of what you're doing. Yeah. Nakamura goes for title, wins. (laughs) (laughs) And then defend it for a year. So, um, well, in 2015 at Wrestle Kingdom 9, Suzuki Goon attacked Toru Yano, Yano, excuse me, and Marafuji from Noah, right? Um, And uh, also the Mighty Don't Kneel. Do you remember these guys? You know these guys? Uh, I've heard the name. So they were in. I think I can't remember what they were called. A TM sixty one is what they were called in in uh, oh Monkey Nichols is one of them, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's those guys. That's where those yeah. guys came from. So um, they were all in a group together, I guess, in Noah. And basically, here's what happened. Let me explain this again. So at Rest Kingdom Nine, uh, Yano and Marafuji were in a match. Suzuki Gun attacks them, and the Mighty Don't Kneel come out and aid them. Right. So Suzuki Goon declares war on Noah, the promotion. And this begins the invasion storyline that continues throughout the whole year. Uh, Suzuki himself eventually defeats Marafuji to become the GHC heavyweight champion. All the factions in Noah had to like kind of gang together in an effort to defend the promotion, much like the NWO storyline. Um, in fact, there's some very huge similarities here. Um, Suzuki uh, defeated Except Marif- it's done good. What's that? Except it's done good. Well... I didn't watch it, but you know, so, um, <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, uh, you'll love this next thing. So Suzuki he defeated Marafuji again later, defending the title. Um, and then on June 9th of 2015, there was a very NWO thing that happened, and this was Suzuki Goon had their own show, and it was called We Are Suzuki Goon, and they just won all the matches. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Pretty funny. Fair enough. Now, I don't know if they had a Miss Suzuki Goon competition. I don't know, you know, like like NWO did, but I can't imagine that that, you know, would be any fun. But uh, so, so Noah, um, the Noah domination went on until Marafuji finally defeated Suzuki for the GHC title. And that's what their heavyweight championship is called. It's called the GHC, um, which I can't remember what it stands for, but it's really cool. It's like a cool acronym that makes a lot more sense than International Wrestling Grand Prix. Uh, but uh, right after the uh, the match there, uh, Noah wrestler Takashi Sugiro turned on Marafuji, and he joined Suzuki. And this is kind of the beginning of this. And this guy right here, this Seguro guy, is the, Segura is the kind of like catalyst of the beginning and the end of the story. Um, so he turns on Marafuji, joins Suzuki, um, and uh, he also becomes the next challenger for the GHC title. So he defeats Marafuji with the help of KES on January 16th, 2016. And shortly after this, Yoshinobu Kanemaru turned traitor on Noah and joined Suzuki Goon. It is nice. bonkers to me to think that Suzuki Goon was a thing without Kanemaru in it at one point. Yeah. Yeah. He seemed he seems like a mainstay, yeah. I figured he well, always I guess he has been, been since he joined, but yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm I kind of find it hard to imagine myself. By the way, it's called the uh the Global Honored Crown. There you go. Isn't that cool? I like that. Yeah. 
I like that. Thanks for looking yep. that up. I appreciate it. I can never remember it. I've looked it up a hundred times, and it's just one of those things that won't stay in there. You know, um, like how to spell necessary. Like, I can't spell that word. I don't know why. My phone never helps me either. So um, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, so where are we at? We Okay, so this uh, the Seguro guy, he defeats Marifuji. So he has a GHC title, and he's in Suzuki-Goon. Kanemaru uh, turns on, on Noah, joining Suzuki-Goon, and he later defeats... Ishimori to become the GHC Junior Champ. So we got all kinds of incestuous wrestling stuff going on here, right? Yeah. On March 27, 2016, We Are Suzuki Goon 2 was <laughs> another show that's just them. So, <laughs> um, And uh, that was great. And after a lengthy run with the GHC tag belts, KES was finally defeated by Marafuji and Toriano. Um, KES has defended the titles at that point 11 times over 15 months. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, later, in, <laughs> that's nuts, right? I mean, that's like, I, you know, that's like the Dudley boys or something like that. That's some crazy shit. Yeah. So, uh, later in July, the Segura guy, he loses the GHC title, um, to a guy named Go Shiozaka. Uh, and, and then he won it back in a lumberjack match, which was the first lumberjack match in Noah. Um, so back in Noah again, uh, Segura lost the GHC heavyweight championship title to my guy, uh, Nakajima, who is, uh, one of the top guys in Noah right now. It's, uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima fucking rules. That guy's awesome. And Suzuki was fucking pissed, all right? So he challenges Nakajima for the title in a loser leaves Noah match. Guess who lost? Minari Suzuki. <laughs> He loses. So after the match, Seguro turns on Suzuki, the guy who turned on Marafuji to start this whole thing. KES loses their titles the next night. All right. Suzuki was defeated by Seguro the next night. And Noah announced on December 5th, 2016, that Suzuki Goon was gone from Noah. And really what had happened is, is that Noah and, and New Japan's relationship had grown sour. And so... You know, the idea supposedly was that Noah was doing poor business. So the the Suzuki Goon invasion was a way to kind of help them um, get business. Now, I don't know. I'm assuming that New Japan was getting paid for this a lot of money. So maybe they didn't perform as well as they should have. And that kind of started this whole thing because I've heard that Noah did poorly while Suzuki Goon was in it. There's a lot of kind of conjecture, and I'm not sure who's telling the truth here, but uh, it's wrestling, so probably no one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so on January 5th of uh, 2017, that's the that's the date. Um, it is New Beginning, which is the uh, the show that's after Wrestle Kingdom that starts all the new storylines. Uh, Suzuki. What was New Year's Dash? Uh, well, this one's called New Beginning, so there's that. Oh, fair enough. Um, I yep. maybe, I don't, maybe it is Doesn't New Year's matter. Dash. Um, maybe somebody was wrong on Wikipedia. Uh, but, uh, that date, Suzuki Goon returns to New Japan, um, and declares war on the whole fucking place. Everybody, all of you, gonna fuck y'all up. We're gonna hit you all with chairs. Mr. Spitter is gonna spit on you. So, um, they pretty much picked up right where they left off. They won titles and lost going after them. <laughs> 
<laughs> typical Suzuki Goon stuff. Uh, this is yep. where we still are today, pretty much. This is it. Now, uh, you know, they did add a huge new member um, in mm-hmm. uh, 2017, which would be uh, Zack Sabre Jr. And uh, Taichi eventually moved to heavyweight. And, and then Iska retired, right? So that's kind of all the stuff that's happened. In fact, to talk about Iska a little more, that was on July se- or January 7, 2019. Iska retired, or he's announced his at- retirement was announced. God damn it. And um, Tenzon was the wrestler that uh, faced him in his last match. And he lost to Tenzon. He briefly kind of remembered who he was. Iska became the Iska of old. Uh, you know, lost the monster gimmick for a second. He took Tenzon's hand, and then him and Suzuki Goon killed Tenzon. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. Iska used the iron glove for the last time, after which he gave it to Tai Chi and bequeathed it to him. So that was tremendous. And that's kind of the last big moment for Suzuki Goon, other than title stuff, you know, which I'm not going to get into all that, but. Uh, over uh, over that time, the junior tag team um, went from Takamichinoku and Taichi to El Desperado and Kanemaru. So that was something that changed. And then Davey Boy Smith Jr. lost in the first round of New Japan Cup that year and left New Japan and Suzuki Goon altogether. Uh, Dookie joined in May of 2019, so he's the newest member. And uh, he replaced the injured El Desperado in the Best of Super Juniors tournament that year. And this is kind of where we are today. So, um, that's right. Elvis Barada had a broken jaw. Yeah, that's he right. broke it in a death match, and they brought Dowkey in to fill in, and they must have liked him in that role because uh, they've kept him around, which is cool. I know he's jobby, jobber McGee, but uh, he got moves. He's, he's really better. Good. He's getting better. So, you know, yeah. that, that's a brief history of, um, of Suzuki Goon. I hope that that kind of filled you guys in out there on who is who and, and why these guys are together. It's mostly because. They love their their leader, Minoru Suzuki. And, you know, one day I hope we are able to do a deep dive on him and talk about his history in, in Japanese wrestling and uh, shoot fighting and stuff like that. Because, you know, he has a rich history that none of you know about, or maybe you do. And so it's it, I want to learn more about it, so I'm looking forward to that. But uh, I don't know. What do you think, uh, Luke? You, you got anything to add to all that or any questions or comments about Suzuki Goon? No, I, I think you were you're pretty good there. Uh, yeah, I like how uh, how in New Japan, uh, all the New Japan factions are just like, no, nah, you're going to lose Suzuki Goon, and they do. And then uh, they go to Noah for two years, and they're just like, we got all the gold. <laughs> and then they go back to New Japan, and it's just like, lose, 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 lose. But that's... That, that's the thing. That's that's a, that's the problem. If if you're a wrestling fan that likes some heels, prepare yourself for disappointment. Uh, not not all the time because uh, even the biggest douchebags have got to win a match, right? But uh, you will see them lose more often than win. Yeah, 
Alright everyone, so there you have it, the uh, history of Suzuki-Goon, so that's another faction in the, in the books for us, so now we've done LIJ, Bullet Club, Suzuki-Goon, and I wouldn't necessarily say I've saved the best faction for last, but I will say I've saved the winningest faction for last, because whilst Suzuki Goon, who are heels, will uh, inevitably lose more often than win, because that's the nature of being a bad dude. The story of chaos is different. It's also pretty much the story of two dudes, even though chaos has so many wrestlers that have been in and out of chaos. It, it always comes back to the story of just two individuals, those individuals being Shinsuke Nakamura and uh, Kazuchika Okada. But let us go back. Let us go way back to about 2009 in New Japan. Around this time, there's a faction called GBH. These days, GBH is just a tag team. And that tag team is uh, Togi Makabe and Tomowaki Honma. But in the late noughties, GBH was a faction called Great Bash Heel, and they had guys in it like Makabe, of course, Honma, as I said, uh, Tomohiro Ishii, uh, Izuka, Yano, and a whole bunch of others. Now, Makabe is feuding big time with Nakamura, and Nakamura's got his own little faction going on at the moment called Rise. I won't go too much into Rise because they don't last too long, but uh, Albert's in it, and so is Hiroki Goto. And, <laughs> and they've been feuding for fucking ages, right? Nakamura and Makabe. And it culminates in a match on April 5th, 2009, when Yano turns on Makabe, hitting him with a chair. Nice. And everyone, every single member except Honma, joined Yano and Nakamura. And Nakamura being the first leader of chaos and uh, very soon after that they were joined by uh two people who will get uh mentioned quite a bit uh, more one more than the other but uh, jado and gato and so you know there's a there's a bit more to their intro than that but that's basically how they start uh they uh, they start by just you know, everyone betraying Mark Bay and kind of leaving him, except for his best buddy, Honma. Now, uh, in, 10, in 2010, we, we'll see so many... Like, all right, I'm not going to go through absolutely every single member that's ever been in chaos. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, this would be... I think they're the biggest faction in New Japan. I don't necessarily mean in terms of popularity, because I think it's either LOJ or Ball Club, but uh, I think in terms of just the amount of people who have come and gone... Either they got their start there, joined another faction, or they were in another faction and they joined them. It's just, it's fucking huge. So this is just going to be just just the major kind of stuff. All right. So uh, in, in 2010, we saw some new members. We joined Chaos, uh, two of them being 
Tetsuya Naito, which kind of <laughs> made my brain go, wait, what? And Yujiro Takahashi. And they were a tag team called No Limit. And they were the first New Japan pro wrestling tag team to have won both the junior and heavy tag titles. Not at the same time, but uh, they did. They were the first team to hold the juniors and then, then uh, later on the heavyweights. And then you've got Carl Anderson and Giant Bernard. Uh, they kind of joined Chaos, but uh, Nakamura didn't really trust them, mostly because uh, Giant Bernard uh, kind of screwed him, screwed Nakamura over around the time uh, Rise ended and Chaos began. But so they were, so Carl Anderson and Giant Bernard, they were the main like kind of tag team in Chaos, and they were thrown out and replaced by No Limit. And you know we got uh, Davy Richards. Who uh, who joins with Rocky Romero and you know they're a super junior tag team. So what you need to know here is there's a super junior tag team mainstay in Chaos that joins around this time, and he'll become, in my opinion, uh, one of the most integral members of Chaos, and that's Rocky Romero. I think he if he'll eventually become a super junior. Oh, sorry, a junior tag team. Eight, ta- eight man, uh, eight times uh, with a few different partners, one of them being uh, Davey Smith, another one being, of course, uh, Trent Beretta, you know, uh, Rapongi Vice, uh, another one being with Alex Kozlov uh, with the uh, Forever Hooligans. So he doesn't, qu- for some reason, they don't put him in the junior division to be a junior champion. It's always, he's always been a tag guy. And I think Rocky's current story, I know I'm jumping around a bit, but Rocky's current story uh, is that uh, he wants that, he wants that singles goal because he's done everything else in the juniors. Yeah. But yes, there's some, uh, he, he's a really important member of chaos and not just because of his tagging and his managerial stuff as well, but he's the member of chaos that brings both the Japanese uh, wrestlers and the uh, international wrestlers together because uh, Rocky can speak both Japanese and English. And, and so, uh, he can speak um, Spanish too. So that's a big plus yeah. too because the, you know, there's always that Mexican kind of faction, well, not faction, but part of all this as well. Indeed. He's like, a, he's like the member of Chaos that kind of covers all the bases. Like he can talk to... Uh, potential luchadors or potential uh, Westerners and all that kind of stuff. And I think he does behind the scenes a, yes, a lot of that kind certainly. of stuff anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, Rocky, is a he, he might not be one of the most uh, winningest or, or the most over or anything like that. I love the guy. Uh, but uh, he's got many hats in New Japan, and one of them is being a mainstay of chaos. I, I can't really understate that. Does he achieve singles glory much? No, not really, but... Well, From this point on, it's it's interesting he's... too because the members of Chaos seem to forget that Rocky's a member of Chaos as well. If you've ever noticed, when he's on commentary, he always jokes around about, "Oh, me and Okada, we were hanging out the other day." But they don't stop by his, and to say hi to him or high five him. They act like he doesn't exist. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they do. And uh, so we we'll jump straight into 2011 here. Mine's a bit more bullet pointy than Andy's. We've got different styles of doing. We're breaking things down, guys. So, uh, <laughs> Now, Yujiro, being the ass that he is, 
he betrayed Naito and he had him kicked out of chaos. And uh, that year, Naito and Nakamura would fight in the G1 final with the chaos leader winning. So there's uh, that's the start of, I guess, Naito's... That might be part of the part of the start of like kind of Naito's journey, just being uh, thrown out of chaos there and and all that kind of stuff. And by the end of the year, you've got uh, another member, Yoshihashi, that uh, yeah, that would join, as would a young man who is fresh off excursion. He is brought in. By a man named Gato, and of course everyone knows who this is. It's the, it's the fresh-eyed, very young Kuzuchka Okada, and it, it, this is around uh, early 2012. This new guy Okada, he would go, and my cat is using the scratching post there, but uh, Okada just fresh from coming back, right? He hasn't really done anything or. Anything, accomplished anything in New Japan except he's no longer an excursion. He's back. But this cocky little shit, Gato by his side, challenges Tanahashi for the IWGP heavyweight title. And Tanahashi's like, why? You, you fucking haven't done anything. And then, you know, pretty much the gist is Okada's then like, well, then you've got no problem accepting the challenge then because you'll beat me easily, won't you? Yeah, no. Nah. Uh, and then uh, this is a match where... A Carter, if this fucking drop kick kicks out Tanahashi's front teeth, nice. And the Rainmaker, uh, whew, he wins his first IWGP heavyweight title. So yeah, you know this fresh-faced new guy. You see him come back, and you probably think, oh, he's not that big a deal. His first title, in fact, the only title he has held in New Japan Pro Wrestling is the fucking, the main one that you want. So, whoa. What an guy, asshole. That's some, that's some yeah. real shit right there, I think. You only have held the, the heavyweight championship. What a dick. I, what I a fucking dick. At least Jay White's had the fucking IC title right. and he's had the Neville title, not Neville title, and the US title before he had his, <laughs> you know, uh, stint as the thing. No, Okada, man, look, they saw something in Okada and... Well, it turns out they were right. Yeah, so, well, it's, you, it's, you, they strapped the it, rocket to him right away, you know, because they knew what was going to happen, and the booking helps, but Okada's lived up to his end, so. Yeah, you give someone enough rope to hang themselves with, and uh, sometimes they don't hang themselves because they're fucking awesome. I, I'd say, uh, what, a good eight or so, five or six years later, I say Switchblade, even though he's a heel, kind of has that vibe about him that Okada did, I guess. Uh, even though they've got different styles of wrestling. So, yeah, Okada wins his first title. And in the meantime, Nakamura battled Hiroki Goto to become the fourth intercontinental champion. Now, uh, Nakamura would become synonymous with the IC title, whilst Kazuchika Okada would start becoming synonymous with the IWGP heavyweight title. And... And that year, Okada would also win his first G1 in his first attempt. What an asshole. <laughs> you know, and, a, another little point here, Luke, is you know how, like, in WWE, everyone who wins the IC title, like, cuts a promo about how they're going to bring back the IC title. They're bringing back the prominence to it. That is every single person who's done that. 
is is inspired by what Nakamura did with that IC title because that's what he did with it, and it became a main event title with him holding it. You know, he thought it was a stank belt, so he was like, "Fuck this belt! This looks like shit." And uh, Nakamura was the one who introduced to New Japan the white strap. Right. Yes. Now I have a question for you because you haven't mentioned it yet. We've said X, you know, is doing heel shit or this and that, but. One of the things I'm wondering about uh, Chaos is, are they heels? So at this point, what is their alignment, Luke? Look, when they started, I guess, and they were kind of feuding with Great Bash Heel and things like that, I think they could have gone either way. But I think over time, uh, they were a little heely and cocky, things like that. But they seemed very facey uh, to me. Uh, they, they now... Of course, there's some cocky arrogance there. Of course, there is because you know this new, new, new guy, Okada, goes straight up to the ace and is like, "I'm gonna beat you, motherfucker," <laughs> and uh, and does. So there, there's a cockiness. Look, it's really complicated because even today, you'll watch a new, new Japan show, and and sometimes where they're wrestling, uh, it, it feels like chaos or a whole bunch of faces, and everyone loves them. And then other times they'll be in, say, LIJ country, and then uh, they're getting booed the fuck out, things like that. So, but they're basically New Japan's uh, big, big babyface group, I guess, in my opinion. What about you, Andy? Well, I think that that's what they are now. And if you yeah. if you've been watching New Japan, um, you know, recently, the same kind of transition has happened with LIJ. Where they were just fucking shitheads until until they started, you know, to get really really popular. They stayed shitheads for a while, and now they've become the big babyface team. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that uh, I think that Chaos started as a heel group and kind of moves around a little bit here and there. But like you said, it is complicated, and it's got peaks and valleys, just like all these stories. Oh yeah. So you've got two top dogs in your in your faction. I know one of them's new at the time. That's Okada, and you've got Nakamura, who'd been pretty much a New Japan mainstay since what 20, uh, 2003 uh, as a full time wrestler, not as a young line or anything. So you think there might be some major divisions there, but no, not really. Uh, both Nakamura and Okada got along, but there was, and this is going to play out over the next few years, there's always that little bit of one upmanship, you know. Who's who's the better leader of chaos and, and stuff like that? Who's the who's who, who can beat the other man? And that's something that'll play out, I think, especially over the next few G ones. Around around 2013, Okada would lose, then regain the IWGP title, and when he regains it, he'd have it this time for about a year, or just over a year. Uh, Rocky with a uh, different part. Alex Kozlov would become the Forever Hooligans and win the junior titles for Chaos for the first time. We have Masato Tanaka, yeah. who was also in, in Chaos and would also become the first Never Open champion. It's this year that uh, kind of Ishii had his breaking out as well. And, uh, and it's funny too because Naito, the man got kicked out of Chaos, would win that year's G1 in 2013. And I think if you've watched New Japan for any length of time, this is kind of the start of one of the major points in kind of Naito's career. 
So yeah, Naito is going to come up a lot uh, in some of this chaos talk, and uh, and rightly so because he he has some uh, big feuds and big beef with uh, with I guess both men, uh, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and Kazuchika Okada. So yeah, now that would lead to the 2014 Wrestle Kingdom, which is famous because Naito's dream was to main event in the Tokyo Dome. He's won the G1, which means he's going to main event in the fucking Tokyo Dome. <laughs> but New Japan had a uh, had a poll. Which match do you want to main event Wrestle Kingdom that year? And the fans, and this is one of the things that Naito's been bitter about for years, the fans chose Shinsuke Nakamura versus Hiroshi Tanahashi to main event Wrestle Kingdom that year. And that was a battle for the IC title. So for the first Wrestle Kingdom since 2007, the IWGP heavyweight title was not in the main event. This is one of the key moments in Naito's story. And not just for his character, but I guess for the man himself, because that must have been absolutely gutting to put in all that work, have all this stuff, and then have it kind of taken away from you. Now, Nakamura would end up losing to Tanahashi. That would win the New Japan Cup that year. And he would become the only man who's won the New Japan Cup who didn't challenge the heavyweight, uh, the IWGP heavyweight champion. No, he wanted that fucking uh, intercontinental title back. So he chose an IC title shot instead. And now uh, in May, around that time, there would be some problems because that's when Mr. Yujiro Takahashi would betray Okada, costing him his title and help and then joining the Bullet Club. Now, uh, Suzuki and Yano were kind of battling it out around this time, which is something you've mentioned. And Suzuki would lure Iska to Suzuki Gun. So uh, it felt like there was a bit of poaching going on by other factions towards chaos. Yeah. Now, uh, let me scroll to my notes because I have a lot of notes. Now, Okada and Nakamura would also wrestle each other in the 2014 G1. So uh, while there wasn't that tension for leadership of course they they, they wanted to one-up each other they wanted to be the guy to beat the other guy now Okada would win that g1 and that would also mean he's won his second g1 in three years what an asshole <laughs> <laughs> and both men uh wanted to face tanahashi at wrestle kingdom nine but uh nakamura would not get that opportunity that opportunity would go to Okada. Now, in 2016, Nakamura and Okada would fight again in the B-block final, this time with Nakamura winning. But uh, he, Nakamura did not win the G1 that year. It would be Tanahashi that ended up winning. So on January 5th, 2016, though, now, by the way, in all this time, most of the time in this period – that are what we're talking about, say, 2012 to 2016, most of this period, 
uh, Nakamura either has the IC title or is going for it or is chasing it. So there's it, it that. And on the other side, Okada either had the heavyweight title or he was going for it. So they were pretty much the two top dogs in those two divisions for fucking years. Now, uh, so uh, there's, there is that. Now, my phone can shut up because I'm busy. Now, uh, on January 5th, 2016, it was announced that Nakamura would be leaving New Japan Pro Wrestling after 13 years. So I think we all know what happens next. He goes to the WWE, just, uh, I guess, for new challenges and for something different. I wish he stayed because, uh, you know, uh, I don't think WWE uses him to his full potential, but that's fine. That's neither here nor there. So the next, uh, the next two years, though, even without Nakamura, that will continue to see success for Chaos. Uh, Rocky and Trent created Rapongi Vice, and in two years they would be the junior tag champs four times. Now Trent would move on to the heavyweight division, and then he would move on uh, totally uh, to uh, AEW, but not before he himself, moving to the heavyweight division, would bring in uh, his good friend, or you could say his best friend, uh, Chuck <laughs> Taylor, and uh, they would be uh, the best friends in New Japan for a little bit before they would eventually leave and head towards uh, All Elite Wrestling. So uh, Rocky, though, rather than because by this point he'd had the junior tag titles uh, seven or eight times, rather than start another Rapongi group with him and another person, he would recruit two new wrestlers. Those two new wrestlers, I think you know who they are, Mr. Andy, uh, they will become Rapongi 3K, Rapongi 3000. They are, of course, Yo, who I see as a pretty good junior, pretty decent guy, and then just the fucking the man, Sho Tanaka. Uh, well, they just call him Sho for now, but eventually, when he moves out of the tag division, I guess, or junior division or whatever, uh, they'll call him Sho Tanaka. But f- for now, he's Sho. He joins with with Yo creating Rapongi 3K. Now, this tag team would be dominant. So they win the New Japan um, Junior Tag League three years in a row. But uh, for a time, they had a bit of trouble because they would win titles, but they'd never successfully defend them. So win, next defense, lose. And it was only when they got the tag team titles uh, in the most recent uh, run where they were able to successfully defend it for the first time. And unfortunately, that story ends, not because of COVID or anything like that, um, but because of fucking Yo getting injured, meaning they had to relinquish the tag team titles. But, you know, jumping around a little bit there, Show and Yo join in 2017. They start... Uh, doing their stuff. Yoshihashi, believe it or not, in 2016, would defeat Kenny Omega in the first round of the G126. Uh, Ishii, around this time, had started to become a threat for any title. Uh, doesn't mean he'd win any title. He, he's usually synonymous with uh, the never open weight title, mm-hmm. but he was always a threat because he's beaten Okada, he's beaten Omega, he's beaten a lot of the big dudes. Even, a, excuse me, he hasn't won the major titles, 
he's a guy he, you can see go toe to toe and you watch that match and you're like, this could go any way, which for me is awesome for Ishii matches because yes, I want to see him win, but they have to earn, you know, to beat Ishii, you have to earn that shit. You know, you have to overcome him and he's not that easy to overcome. So that's really cool. This is around the period where uh, I think Yano would start more and more uh, winning matches in the cheeky ways that he uh, we know him today with, uh, you know, uh, taking the turnbuckles off, punching people in the nuts, tying them up on the outside, getting count-out victories, all this kind of shit would really fully blossom uh, around this period as well. And this is kind of the way... Uh, in 2016, uh, Goto would join Chaos. So Goto was in a bit of a slump, having trouble winning big matches, which I guess is still his story. And after Akata, de- after Akata defeated him to retain his heavyweight title, he extended the hand of Chaos to Hiroki Goto. And Hiroki Goto took it. Now, uh, I'm just going to mention it quickly right here and then um, move past it. Uh, That dude uh, joined Chaos around this time. There's a bit of a story about that. Uh, I'm totally leaving it out. You can be angry at me, listeners, or um, whatever, but that's that's what I'm doing. So get your own podcast. (laughs) All right. We we mentioned that on a on a weekly show. Uh, If you want to know more, feel free to look it up. I don't really want to go into it in depth on another episode because I feel like you and I have talked about it. But moving on, at Wrestle Kingdom in 2016, uh, Okada would win the heavyweight title. Now, this is important because this would be the title reign that would end up being the longest IWGP heavyweight title reign in New Japan Pro Wrestling history. 720 days. twelve defenses so this is uh the the guy who became the full leader of chaos after nakamura's left and he's doing all right he's doing more than all right he's replaced tanahashi as the winningest new japan champion heavyweight champion of all time and i think okada is only like fucking 32 33 (laughs) jesus you know he never he never called so himself much the ace, ahead of him too. He, he never called himself the ace, though, you know, uh, which is kind of, in a lot of ways, he became the ace of uh, New mm-hmm. Japan. But he never took that away from Tanahashi, even though they had quite a feud, you know? Yeah. And you could say that's a feud that's cooled off for now, and I'll get that into that very, very soon. But whenever they want, they can warm that up again. Oh, anytime. Because... Uh, they're almost equal in terms of win-loss record. So, you know, uh, I, I imagine sometime in the future, Tanahashi will retire. He might retire with a final match against Okada, and Okada wins because, you know, you job on your way out. That's just how wrestling goes. Now, around this time, you know, 720 days, 12 defenses, January 2018, saw Okada, Make a big mistake. This is a guy who's cocky. He's on top of the mountain. He doesn't see anyone as a threat because, well, look at all the people he's beaten in his 12 defenses. And it's not not junky dudes. 
Like this guy's beaten big big names like uh, Kenny Omega, Hiroshi Tanahashi, fucking um, you know all sorts of. Uh, one of them's Marafuji as well from Noah. So he's not beaten you know guys like uh, Yoshihashi or Taichi or anything like that to get those numbers up. No, he's beaten big fucking names. One of them being Tetsuya Naito. You know that he's he's beaten the cream of the crop uh as as it were but he'd make a mistake uh probably because of his cockiness and his hubris but he let jay white join chaos <laughs> and jay let him know right away that uh he wanted that title around a cocky uh, around a carter's waist and the cocky carter just smiled and shook jay white's hand don't you, you think, know Luke? thinking yeah you can try motherfucker but like you're some newbie and i've beaten everyone so he's getting a bit of – he's doing a bit of uh, Tanahashi against uh, Jay White here, but uh, Jay's joined his faction. That's true. Sorry, what were you going to say? Don't you think that, like, Chaos is the default group? Whenever mm-hmm. a new person shows up and I think, I wonder what group they'll be in. If they're at, oh, all, it's chaos. If they're at all a good guy, I'm always like, well, it's probably Chaos. And, and that happens so much that I'm sure you're going to miss people. Like you said, you're going to definitely miss people because there's so many people that come in and out that they're just in chaos. You know, In fact, Chucky e. T still text, or like, uh, tweets every once in a while about you know, how he's in chaos, which is funny as hell. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, look... Uh, I guess if you want, this is just a kind of a guide to chaos. If you want something a bit more in depth and know more about every member and title and all that kind of stuff, holy shit. Yeah, that's that's what the internet's for, boys right. and girls. Yeah, that would be really <laughs> boring to listen to. So, uh, oh, we're, hell yeah. We're doing great. So, we're up to 2018 now, Mr. Andy, and Carter and Kenny by this point have had three matches oh, a one, a uh, uh, one, a win by both men, and a draw. And Omega would finally beat Okada in a match that goes for like one hour and seven minutes. I think it was like a fucking uh, best of three pins kind of match as well. And Omega would finally, finally take that title that Okada has had for 720 days away from Kazuchika Okada. And Okada gets a bit loopy in 2018 following on from this. This is where this is the uh, balloon Scooby Doo Okada. Yeah. So weird. he'd come out with balloons. He'd totally snub Rocky Romero, mind you, they all do, because <laughs> he'd be doing commentary a lot in this period. He'd jump off the top rope and hit people with kind of a, I think it was maybe a European uppercut or something like that. But he'd jump off and be like Scooby Dooby Doo, shit weird. like that. So he's getting a bit weird here. And Jay White would beat Okada in the first round that Natty's G one. In fact, not not long after that, Jay White's first two opponents in that year's G1 would be uh, two men, uh, Akata and Tanahashi, both of which Switchblade beats. That's also and, when, when Okada was wearing pants, which is the craziest thing ever. Yeah. I mean, Okada wearing pants, people were furious that he was wearing pants. So yeah. much so that when he finally took him off, there's like big a video pop, of the biggest oh. pop of all time for him just taking his pants off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. That so tremendous. Uh, it, around this point, after he beats Tanahashi, this is why – this is where you'd say like in seven months – well, you wouldn't say it's true. In seven months, Jay White has wins, clean wins, with minimal, very minimal cheating, at least for a heel. So – 
he'll have uh, convincing wins over Kenny Omega in that match. Uh, Jay White would defeat him for the U.S. title. Uh, he would, and he'd also defeat Tanahashi and Kazuchika Okada. So he's in chaos at the time, but the fact that he's beaten New Japan Pro Wrestling's probably uh, three of their top five wrestlers, you know, uh, the other two maybe being Kota Ibushi and Tetsuya Naito. So like that level, like he's beaten wrestlers at this level and it's his first year back. Huge stuff. Right. So uh, that that's Jay White kind of there. Now, Carter would not win the G1 that year. And that would mean it would be the first Wrestle Kingdom in fucking years where Okada wasn't either going for the title or already had it. And uh, around uh, this time, he decided to go at things alone more. Not leave Chaos, but it'd have an amicable split with Gato. Are they still friends? Yeah. But Okada wants to come out by himself and do everything by himself now. So Tanahashi won that year's G1 and would fight Okada for the briefcase and Tanahashi would win. Now, I mentioned this because this is when Jay, Jay White would then strike. He'd hit Tana with the Blade Runner. Gato would run out to help Okada because Okada, whoa, he comes out. Oh, he doesn't come out. He's already out. But Okada comes out to kind of stop the beat down. And then Gato comes out to take the take the chair and go, no, 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 no. Yeah, calm down. It's all good. Settle down. And then Okada turns his back and then Gato. Gator would hit Okada with with the uh, with the chair and join Switchblade. Now uh, that would eventually lead to a match very soon where Jay would wrestle Tanahashi for the briefcase. Now he'd lose, but there's a beat down on Tanahashi after the match, and to everyone's surprise, longtime rival Kazuchika Okada comes out to Tanah's aid. Now, Jado comes out to help smooth things over, but the BCOGs come out. The BCOGs being uh, Bad Luck Fale, uh, Tamatonga, Tongaloa, those kind of guys. They come out, and there's a fucking huge beat down on both Okada and Tanahashi. So, yes, there's a major faction change. So what do you need for a major faction change in order for it to happen, Andy? Tanahashi. What, what, yeah, you need Tanahashi to be involved. Bullet Club was pretty much created <laughs> from a Tanahashi beatdown. So there's a power shift uh, in, in terms of Bullet Club. And who do you need to help sell that new change? Well, not just Okada. Not so, sorry, not just Tanahashi, but also Kisushka Okada. So there you go. That's when uh, Jay White would jump from chaos to be the leader of the Bullet Club. And not long after this, Tanahashi would, not only, would also rush to the aid of Okada. And both men would shake hands. Fucking massive moment. <laughs> so now in this period, chaos has formed a very loose but friendly connection with uh, Taguchi Japan. Now Taguchi Japan is kind of the name you'd give to everyone, the faction that's not a faction. You know, the the kind of people that all tag together, but they're not in a faction, like uh, Kota Ibushi, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Ryusuke Taguchi, the Master Wato, guys like that that aren't in a faction. What's that? Are usually grouped Did you together. Say my name. <laughs> Shut up! You're not in this episode. Oh my yeah. bad, Luke. God damn, you're so mean. <laughs> I got my robe sheet. So 
because of the uh, threat of Bullet Club and the major shift that happens there, Tanahashi and his uh, miscellaneous stragglers would kind of team up with Chaos, even tagging together in matches. So, and this time also, Roppongi 3K would become uh, three-time junior tag league champions and also multiple-time super, uh, super junior champ, tag junior tag champions. <laughs> Carter and Tanner would team up for tag matches, and they're calling it, it's the dream team, it's the dream team, only to get smashed by bad luck Farley and Switchblade every night. And that makes you just hate Bullet Club all that more. So they're doing their job really well there. So Carter would get... Uh, a Wrestle Kingdom match against Jay White in 2019. Wow. Uh, I think this is, is it this match where he loses to uh, a, a Switchblade in 14 minutes, pretty clean at Wrestle Kingdom, or was that the G1 match? But either way, Jay White beats Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. And uh, Makabe, because he's in that kind of miscellaneous kind of group at the time, uh, it would be a big deal to see him tag with Yano. So he and Yano not only became kind of sort of buddy-buddy around this time, huh. uh, but Makabe, Yano, and Taguchi for a period would also be six-man never-open champions. That's right. So there's a bit of a huh. – they feel – yeah. And they were quite memorable as a, as a trio I of uh, junior that, tag yeah. champs. Uh, a, a trio – look, I wouldn't – well, at least I'd like to see at least Yano and Taguchi in that role together with, I don't care if it's Makabe again or another dude, but man, I just liked uh, Taguchi and Yano kind of bouncing off each other. It was fucking awesome. <laughs> so 2019 would also see an Aussie wrestler leave the Bullet Club and jump ship to chaos uh, in a really cool little storyline that uh, some of it played out in uh, an Australian tour they did here last year, but Robbie Eagles, the sniper from the skies, he joins Bullet Club and he starts getting fucked over by both uh, El Fantasmo and Taiji Ishimori. Like uh, these two little, these two shitheads, right? They'd watch fucking Robbie Eagles do all the heavy lifting and put his finisher on, and then they'd then one of the two assholes, Ishimori or ELP, would just uh, slap. Uh, Robbie Eagles on the back, tag themselves in, and then just. Just not don't, not even do a move. Just get the one, two, three. And I'll just fucking over Robbie Eagles like that. So uh, Robbie Eagles would join uh, Chaos, which I think might be a better fit for him because uh, I think he's really cool. Uh, I think it's nice. Probably better to establish him as a face and then uh, go from there because, yeah, it's really cool. He's yeah. like uh, the first Australian wrestler in – to be signed in New Japan, I think. That's a, that's uh, a rare story, too. Usually, person turns face because someone else turns heel, if that makes any sense. So, like, if you have a heel tag team, one of the team turns heel, and so that turns the other guy face. You know, um, whereas in this situation, he's on a heel tag team, and he turns face because he's pissed at them for being dicks. That's that's an interesting story. You don't see that very often. Yeah. And it turns out he kind of liked being in a ball club, but he's not a dick. And they're doing dick shit to him. Like, uh, dick shit sounds really stupid, but you know what I mean. <laughs> My dick is never shit. Like, I, I never, yeah. never once, you know? That's pretty good. So this kind of brings us up to date. There's not a huge amount of stuff that happens 
uh, Switchblade would uh, eventually win the IWGP heavyweight title. Uh, he'd beat Tanahashi for it. And he'd lose it a short time later to Kazuchika Okada, who had the title for almost a year. He had it from that point on, the Madison Square Garden show, all the way to uh, Wrestle Kingdom, where he would lose it to Tetsuya Naito at, uh, excuse me, this year's Wrestle Kingdom Double Night Extravaganza. And I think the big piece of news uh, around this time, also Mikey Nichols, who I guess has already been in chaos, he left NXT. I guess he wanted to be more with his family and stuff, and that's fair enough. I don't know much about his personal life or whatever. But Mikey Nichols would, I guess, come back, uh, and he'd rejoin Chaos and be kind of like a a lower-level kind of tag guy for them. But in 2020, this is very recent, everyone. The impossible happens. (laughs) After Oh, no. All right, the double, the two impossible things happen. (laughs) It's like Alice in Wonderland and shit. All right, the first one. Which I think is it doesn't seem as impossible, but it kind of is. After 12 years in New Japan Pro Wrestling, Yoshihashi would win his first oh, title. See, I blacked with, that out. I've like blanked that out of my memory. Yeah. I don't even want to. And he hear would it. he would win that with Ishii and Goto. Now, all through these years, two men will have the never open title a lot. Those two men being Ishii and Goto. So both men become pretty synonymous with, with that title. Yoshihashi becomes synonymous with being a big loser <laughs> until <laughs> this year where he wins his first title with both those men, the six men never open titles, and has his first – and and the first opportunity he has to retain, yeah. he does so. Oh, so good man. on him. What a great but, wrestler. He's awesome now. All those years of him sucking are now erased because now he's great because he has a belt, you see. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Fiasi. <laughs> but the other major thing that happens in 2020 regarding chaos is they, they, New Japan seems a little unsure what to do with Kazushiko Okada. So Kazushiko Okada kind of creates this concept, this concept being kapow which is the King of Pro Wrestling trophy. It's a trophy that you fight for throughout the whole year, and the person who has the trophy by the year's end is that year's King of Pro Wrestling, and then it resets. So they, so the, the whole thing about the King of Pro Wrestling is you'll have a bunch of people going for it, and then, and then a four-way match to decide who's the first King of Pro Wrestling tra- trophy holder. And these matches are all gimmick matches, and they the fans vote on them. So, for example, Toriyano versus who do you fight, dude? Uh, Bushi. So Toriyano versus Bushi, and they both have stipulations. Bushi stipulation is a five count on the outside of the ring, and Yano's stipulation was a two count uh, pinfall rather than a three count, and and shit like that. So we get four men in the Kapow finals. And this is at Jingu Stadium, which happened very recently. So uh, we're nearly all called up, everyone. And it's four men in this match. It's El Desperado, Sonata, Okada, and Yano. And this is a tournament. Uh, this is a concept Okada created. You think he's going to be the first trophy holder. It's going to be very hard to get the trophy off him. He's probably going to be 
2020's King of Pro Wrestling, but that's not what happens. No. Yano does a fair play, which is my name for the uh, punch to the nuts. Right in the life, Rolls it up. Yep. It's our name, sorry, for, for uh, Yano's finish. They always say schoolboy, but that's not his finisher. His finisher move before the roll-up. Fair play in the nuts. And uh, in the life makers, yes, as a uh, forever hooligan ex-Chaos member, Alex Kozlov would say. <laughs> and he pins, not Sonata, not El Desperado, but he pins Okada. So, yes, in 2020, <laughs> Toriano has a win over so many wrestlers. But one of the wrestlers he never really had a win over was Okada. Yeah. And now he has it. And I'll just end this with a quick... Uh, me saying, here's the current members of Chaos. We've got Hiroki Goto, Kazuchika Okada, Mikey Nichols, Robbie Eagles, Yo, Sho, Rocky, Ishii, Yano, Yoshihashi, and that dude. And oh, I know I talk a lot, but wow, that was a lot of talking. <laughs> yeah, you did great, man. I think uh, I think we both hit the points that needed to be made. I'm sure we missed tons of stuff, but the point wasn't to tell you, you know, every detail of what's happened with these uh, these groups. It was just to kind of catch you up a little bit because we know we have some listeners who are starting New Japan with us together, and so we love that, and we want to kind of help cater to you guys as much as we can. So if you guys have ideas for future episodes, just DM us or you know hit us up on whatever you know type of hitting up thing you want to hit us up on or whatever <laughs> wow that that was a very luke sentence that you just said there yeah i trailed off like kozlov yeah except he gets paid and i don't so that, 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 that... <laughs> you got paid a little well, oh, if i can maybe laugh when you called me out for that i'm like i am doing that god damn it <laughs> so there you have it everyone there is our kind of rundown, we've now done all four of the main factions. Yes, there are four, even though there is kind of five, maybe six if you count Young Lions, but uh, we're not. The four major factions are the four we've, we've just uh, finished covering. Hope you all enjoyed it. it uh, I, I, I will – look, I've, I've got to say a big thanks to Mr. Andy because he had the tougher job. Now, you could argue that, uh, well, he didn't want to do chaos because uh, he probably thinks they're a stank group and uh, he might be right, he might be wrong. <laughs> but, uh, of course, his, his favourite being LIJ, he was going to get that. And me, I'm a Jay White guy, so yes, ball club for me. But it turned out the two factions I chose have uh, pretty pretty good YouTube series on them, Uh which you can always check out if you want even more information because I did not include everything in those videos. And then I just used a mix of those and uh, Wikipedia and all sorts of different sources and shit. But those are the main two. Mr. Andy, on the other hand, there is not a video series on YouTube uh, by by New Japan Pro Wrestling of LIJ and Suzuki Goon. So Mr. Andy had to do a lot more heavy lifting and research for this. He didn't quite have... The, uh, the cop-out guides that I did, pretty I, the way I'd explain it, Mr. Andy, is like this. Uh, we both got an assignment for a book report, and I watched the movie, and then I reported <laughs> on the book, whereas you read the book and then reported on the book. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I read three books, but uh, 
But yeah, I mean, yes. it's fine. I, I, you know, honestly, I do hate doing research on this kind of stuff. I like learning, but I hate just sitting there. I hate typing. I fucking hate it. But you know what? This was a lot of fun. It was great to learn uh, a lot of stuff that I didn't know. And now, the next time that you watch New Japan, me, you, listeners, Luke, uh, we're going to have a little more knowledge coming into some of these matches. And when something happens, we may remember that time that... Uh, you know, that actually Taka Michinoku and uh, Taichi actually had a little bit of a beef before their uh, Super Juniors match. And now that match makes even more sense. And, you know, yep. what's going to happen when Suzuki, uh, you know, faces Taichi in the uh, G1? Because Taichi, of anyone in Suzuki-gun, seems like he'd be the guy to take over. You know, and, and yeah. kill the king. So, I mean, there's all kinds of fun stuff. And hopefully, you know, through chaos and Suzuki, you guys, I mean, hey, I don't know. It could happen. Um, shout out to Cole on Twitter, by the way. Uh, but uh, that's, it's just, you know, it doesn't, it's just everything you learn with New Japan pays off. Unlike other wrestling promotions, when you pay attention, the closer you pay attention, the more it pays off. So um, that's just uh, one example of something that we wanted to talk about so that we can kind of fill you guys in. And who knows, we may see it in three, four months, I don't know, um, you know, to talk about the other factions and some more evergreen content. We got some good stuff planned for you, and um, these episodes are going to continue uh, besides the review episodes. Yep. So we're recording this the day before the G130. Uh, so that'll that's probably the only tidbit that i'm talking about that will date the episode i guess as well as people listening to this next year and there's like a whole year of like history between all the factions we didn't cover but you know uh how did this they is call, pretty much how did they call this is, tai chi goon uh, yeah <laughs> dude i just saw one of your tweets fucking dowkey goon forever yeah. uh, I, I don't know what led to that but i'm gonna <laughs> i'll just read through those afterwards because i you're probably like, well, Luke's going to talk forever about fucking uh, chaos. I can probably chuck a couple tweets hey, in, which you did. You promote the show when you remember to do it. That's how that works, you know? If you guys want some advice on how to promote your podcast, just do it when you remember. That's when you do it. So, uh, so yeah, I was just trying to promote the podcast a little bit. Let know, people know that we are recording this episode, and uh, we recorded this episode. Luke, we got anything else? Uh, I don't think so, but uh, I think... Through all of the factions, all of the uh, betrayals, all of the storylines, all the shenanigans that happens in New Japan, uh, there's a guiding force behind it. And uh, this guiding force uh, seems to be a man named Gato. And uh, in Gato, we trust. Dookie Gun forever.